1: At
0: LuckyLandslots.com.
2: Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions supply.
1: Oh, the shark babe has
0: such teeth, there. And it shows them
1: pearly white. Just a jackknife.
2: So welcome, everybody, to this latest episode of Macklin's Take with me, Andy Clark and Matt Macklin. Hope everybody's well. Hope everybody's ticking over uh, in good form. I've got some bad news and some good news for Macklin's Take listeners uh, this week. Well, I mean, I hope it's bad news, but strange though that might, might, might seem to say, because we're going to take uh, a break from kind of mid-July until the start of September. We were discussing it the other day and... We just think that now's a good time to to take a few weeks off and kind of refresh and recharge. And uh, dazzling Darren Reese, our, our top producers, off on holiday. Uh, me and Matt have got a couple of things uh, coming up, and and the plan is really that when we get back in September, things will be much more recognisable as how they as how they used to be. Um, new Sky stuff will be start, starting. Matching the zone will be well underway. It'll be small halls. Hopefully, will be back. You know, we'll. It'll finally, finally, we'll be returning to, to boxing being being, like I said, something like it it used to be. So over the next few weeks, what we're gonna do um is we are going to kind of usher out the, the COVID era. We decided that the pandemic is over on Macklin's take. That that's that's the party line on it now. It's finished. Uh so the way we're gonna, as I say usher it out through the door is to catch up with a few people and have a bit of a chat about what it's been like over the last 15 months we've kind of stayed away for it from it as much as we could because people don't you know if you wanted to depress yourself by by uh getting stuck into that then you only had to turn on the news and and we just didn't think that that people came to take for uh for that Um uh, inevitably we have ended up talking about it um at points because it has been interesting the way people have had to adapt and and evolve and, and deal with it. Um, but yeah, we're going to have a little bit of a look back with a few people and, and try and inject as much humour into it as possible. That's not us taking it lightly in any way. Personally, it's I've been very lucky. I haven't lost anybody. I don't really know too many people who have. It hasn't affected me in that much of an adverse fashion, and that's just my good luck. But I know that for other people, it, it's been an awful time. So we're not making light of anything, but we do like to find the humor in things, and we like to think that we can find the humor in almost anything. Uh, and uh, with that in mind, uh, the first the first name on the team sheet for this, and he's, he, he's he's not been on for he's our franchise champion, and this is appearance number five, uh, but he's not been on for for a while. He is a man who can find the humor in literally any situation. Uh, so a very welcome return um, to John Pegg. JP. How are things? Yeah, not too bad. My it's, um, it's it's uh,
1: like you say it, it's kind of at an end, but it hasn't bothered like me the boxing wise as much as you think. Do you know like you kind of, the the lads are it's, it's kind of also the lads who are going to train hard. You found out who they are. The lads who are going to be dedicated to boxing. You've found out who they are. The lads who are going to take chances. You've found out who they are. So, you know, it's it's been a nuisance. We know grassroots shows and all that. But it, it, it's just interesting to watch the reactions of certain fighters. I mean, you'll also, if you look back over the last 18 months, remember our first, our first uh, Zoom thing where we spoke, spoke about people picking the right opponents and being in absolute shock when they didn't get the right opponents? Just have a look at the people who went boxed. Some people have been in the absolute fucking horrors that there's no journeyman from Latvia, that Christian Light and Ibra Riaz retired because of COVID. Some people have literally stopped boxing because of it. Have a look. And then there's other lads who have gone, you want me to box someone 7-0? Oh? Let's get on with it. So it's kind of, it's been a bit of a lie detector test for boxing, really. And I've kind of enjoyed that side of it, to be fair, Andy.
2: Matt, you're grinning away there. And that, I tell you what, that is... We've 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 kind of talked about this at intervals, but that's just the perfect way of putting it. That a lie detector test for for boxes. It has, I mean, it has been, hasn't it?
0: Yeah. yeah. We, 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 go on, sorry, Matt. Carry no, on. I was going to say you see all the shit houses are.
1: <laughs> well, I, 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 I'm obviously, I'm a lot more polite and stuff like that, and, you know. So, well, you know, you can look and you can see there's certain people who haven't boxed, and they haven't boxed because they've turned around and gone. What, Conrad Sliskowski's not allowed in with his 94 losses? Fuck it. I'm waiting for the next few months because Boris says it's over in a month. Then a Mm -hmm. month later, he's like, what, Ibra Ria's retired? Fuck it. Matt Hancock says we're back in a month. All of a sudden, (laughs) these fuckers in box for 18 months and they're wearing a big badge of, I don't want to box until I can pick and choose who I want, which COVID weren't allowing. It's sneaking back in, though. But they're still undefeated, John. Yeah, I'm undefeated in the last 18
2: months. <laughs> don't. We all what do you are. mean fuck all does it. So no, do, you, do you think that kind of um weeding out process might eliminate a few people like that from the sport? We've out dates, and do you know what people are gonna do? They've kind of gotta obviously can
1: relax a little bit. They've got to stick to that. They've got to turn around and says. We've found a load of people who are prepared to have proper fights and we're going to keep rewarding the people who have proper fights. I've noticed the last couple of shows, there's been a few kind of people sneaking back on. Do you know what I mean? And I'm like, and, and the show's like some of the, you know, the, the, the away side is like going back to how it used to be. And I'm like, for fuck's sake, man, have we not learned a lesson? Let's, let's keep it how it, how it was, do you know what I mean? I matched a uh, Hennessy show the other day, and there was nine fights on, and I had four lads in fights. And on the morning of the show, I actually looked at him and thought, "Fucking hell, we could have four losses here as a gym." Shaqem Peters was fighting Jermaine Springer, who while Shaqem was the favorite, Jermaine seven and two and was coming to win. Riverbent was fighting a Clifton Mitchell lad, George Farrell, who was unbeaten. Casey Benjamin was fighting Martin Arkin; he was thirteen and one, and Sam was fighting Melina which, you know, it's like, it's the top of the bill. And fucking, as you know with Sam, Sam can find a win out of anywhere, but he can also find a loss out of fucking anywhere. And I looked and I thought, we've potentially got four fights here where we could lose all four. And then I thought to myself, yeah, but you know what? Look look how good it is. And and, and I noticed one of the only complaints we had afterwards was people's complaining that they didn't get to watch every fight. And people have got to take that kind of on board now, you know. If we're going to take, if we're going to have to put up with COVID, let's take the good stuff out of it, and let's take the fact that some lads absolutely proved their mettle. Some lads was ready to stand up and go. I'll fight anyone, not just say it on interviews, not just text it on Twitter. They did it, so let's keep rewarding them lads. And you know the people who have mysteriously disappeared for eighteen months, fucking leave them where they are. You know what I mean? I don't know. That's probably why I can't
2: get a job. <laughs> no but it's 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 you know I remember this time last year you know when the plans were afoot for the first fight camp and the slogan was no easy fights and it was it was a good slogan because you don't want to go too hard and say everything's going to be 50-50 because that's that's a matter of opinion whether something is or is not 50-50 but no easy fights and I've heard say, the one for this year is going to be no mexicans <laughs> <laughs> I, wouldn't be surpri- I wouldn't be surprised I'd be surprised after after events of, uh, of recent months. I mean, how, how are things... Um, before we have a kind of like um, more of a a, a look back, uh, how are things right now? Because we are really hopeful that in September small hall boxing might be able to get back going again because you might be able to get crowds back again. But but you're on the front line of that. Then you'll have been trying to organise shows. And, and he's, what, what, what's the crack at the minute? What What are you... What Are you we've able been to doing. To make any plans or not? We've what we've been doing since the last
1: six or seven months, we've been putting shows scheduled with the board every every month. And then the board has to contact us and say, Oh, February's not happening, March is not happening. because it, it kind of keeps us one step ahead. Rather than waiting for the board to tell us, oh, you can do them now. We've been penciling shows in, and as soon as they say to us it can happen, bang, we're ready to go. And the closest we got, we was looking. We had a show booked in for um, for June and July, and it was really looking like God, we're going to get, we're, we're going to be ready to go. We started making matches, and then it weren't even the board. Fucking Boris and his pals turned up and went, "Oh, sorry, the gravy's training over. We're we stopping you for a bit longer." But that's what we've been doing. We're booking shows in, so we're on top of it. So we're ready to go. And to be fair, like I say, we've got we, we we've got some really hardworking lads who haven't let it get them down. The way I explained it to the lads, I said, if you had an injury, if you broke your leg, you wouldn't say, I'm out of boxing for 12 months, I'm going to retire. You would put all your effort into being as good as you can be in 12 months' time. I said, treat COVID as the same. I said, just be as best as you can when we, we are allowed to go, when you, when, the, when the sport-wide injury has, has been fixed. So, and fair play, most of our lads, are, a couple of lads haven't, a couple of lads have gone fucking mental and just treated it like it's a big party. You know, they're not even bothered about COVID because it's not like they've been in the gym or been following the rules. They've just been doing it. They've basically been mackling eight years ago, basically. <laughs> you know what I mean? So
2: Jesus Christ. Yeah.
1: Only a few of them. Might <laughs> come with that the again. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, so what are you thinking now? May, may, is September realistic, do you think?
1: I think so. I think September's going to be good. Unless they pull someone out the app that, I don't know, fucking, they're going to make another thing banned. But I think September, I think August, people are kind of going, well, if it's okay in August, we're all going to have a quick holiday. And if it is okay, if not, it'll be September. And I think think if it's not September, I just think people are going to go off and start doing bare knuckle or unlicensed. I think boxers are getting to the stage where they're like two years. I might as well just go and do bare knuckle or do unlicensed or do MMA because they've been allowed to. So I think we're at a point now where if it doesn't get fixed by September, which I think it will, I think we're going to lose a lot of boxers. And then when they do open it up, they're going to say, fuck, we've got like 200 boxers, like in the 70s. So I think we're at a stage now where it's, it's going to fall into place because it's got to.
2: Matt, that, that sounds right to me. That sounds right to me because... I mean, the grassroots of the sport, the small hall shows, we, we know how important they are to the long-term prosperity and health of professional boxing at all, at all levels. And everybody keeps saying it, but there is a real danger that if it doesn't come back soon and these, these lads uh, and women don't get the opportunity to fight soon and make some money soon, they will find another way to do it. And once they found another way to do it, they might settle into that and think, yeah, you know, this is okay. People's habits can change very, very, well, I say very, very quickly. This has been going on for a long time now. Uh, and there is a danger that habits will change. People will just get used to there not being any small hauls. And that would be that long-term, that is that is an iceberg. That is a massive iceberg that could cause have, a huge amount of problems. Have either of you pair had COVID? No, 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 I haven't. Fucking I have.
1: Listen to this. I've got to be a bit quiet because my next one will <laughs> I got, I got the test. I was having them all the time and I felt ill. So I got the test. I went out of the test and I thought to myself, my head was killing, didn't feel well. You know, when you look at the fucking things at the newspaper at the time, this was at the end of the last year. Basically, that says fat middle-aged bald geezers are going to die. So I'm fucking in the absolute horrors. So I got the test. I come back positive. So I'm lying in bed and by the end of the first day, I weren't bad enough to go in hospital, but I weren't much better. I was lying in bed, temperature at 40, couldn't get up. It was like, you know, I'd been locked in the room because nobody else wanted to, to catch it, you know, really bad. For four days, it was awful, like really bad. The fifth day, it kind of like broke a little bit. And then for a week, I just felt a little bit better every day. Now, this is where it gets bad because I'm, as Matt will know, I'm a bit, a bit of a hypochondriac. Like, I weren't a hypochondriac here yeah, because I was really fucking ill. I was like, you know. And um, <clears throat> about a week later, I says to my wife, I says, I've got to be quiet here. I says, I "I ain't seen Val for ages, my next door neighbour. And my wife went, well, you won't have, she's died. And I was like, what? I said, what do you mean, she fucking died? She says she had COVID while you did. I says, what, she died from COVID? She went, yeah. She says, I come in the bedroom and told you. And I was like, fucking thanks, Florence. I says, while I'm lying on the bed with a virus, you come in and tell me someone 20 foot away has died with it. What's this fucking great bad bedside manner there? Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, so it's gone hit. But yeah, my, my wife, no thinking. Fucking Florence Nightingale there come in and told me someone had died 20 foot away with something that I was suffering with. Imagine yeah. fucking that.
0: Talk about an encouragement speech.
1: <laughs> she went, oh, I didn't think of it like that. I was like, oh, thanks a lot. That was a pep talk. <laughs> it
0: was.
2: She probably thought to get me
1: out of bed. She probably thought I was malingering. Probably thought I, I was, it. I swear, she thought I was faking it.
2: Yeah. That's the worst yes. team talk of all time. It yeah, like... while I was
1: lying in bed with it, ill
2: yeah, it sounds, like, it sounds like the kind of thing my wife... We should doing, be
0: all right actually. in a couple of days, but the one
2: next door is dead now.
1: Yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> and people wonder why I'm fucking That's what I have to live with. <clears throat> oh, God. Well, yeah, God. it was no joke when I had it. It was not nice. So when I got the chance to have the jab, I'm not usually into needles and stuff. I went and got it. I was like, I do not want that again. For four days, I didn't know what day it was. It was like it was not good. So,
2: you know, it was just uh, I can't believe both of you pair have avoided it. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know too many people who who have had it. To be honest, I know a few fighters who've had it, but kind of family members, stuff like that, friends. I don't, I don't really know. I know, if, I know quite a few people who think they. Might have had it last December or January. When oh, they... everybody thinks they've had it, don't they? The yeah, that, they are... <laughs> at us. This is like people
1: having amateur fights. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I, I had a spa when I was eleven and one four. Semi pro seven. pro. It. Yeah, yeah. This is like semi pro <laughs> fighters. Fucking people who who think they've had it. Yeah. Fucking until you've got a test back and you've lay in bed for four days and somebody's died fucking twenty foot from you. Not, I don't believe you,
2: basically. It's like, you know, I guess that's the equivalent of kind of like COVID hipsters, isn't it? Oh, yeah, I, I had COVID before it was even COVID. Oh, yeah, I had COVID. You know, I had it last December before, you know, before anybody even knew about it. You're right. Yeah, you're but- right. It's, it's, a, and now you mention it, some of the people who've claimed that to me, they do fit into that category of of, you know, whatever, whatever you're into, they were into it first and it was better <laughs> when they were into it. And, you know, yeah. It's five minutes into any conversation with him. You just think, oh, I just wish you'd fuck They're off. the
1: same people who claims you've had it twice. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've had it twice, I have. And you're like, oh, for fuck's sake. You know what I mean? You, you're not only have you had it once and you didn't get a test, you've actually fucking had it twice and you've diagnosed yourself. Fucking absolute bollocks. But, we, you know, we're in boxing. We're used to the, to this kind of bullshit, and we?
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's fair to say that. I think it's fair to say that. Um What was I saying? Oh, yeah, Matt, 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 the the small hall scene, you know, people, everybody, everybody says it, don't they? It's one of those things where, you know, it becomes almost a kind of compulsory thing to say to show that you care about boxing. Oh, but the small hall scene is crucial and it's crucial we get that back. I don't think people really understand, though, that if they're not allowed to come back soon, that could be irreparably damaged. They could go. We've already lost a lot of away,
1: guys. We've definitely retired. They've had enough of it because they do it because it's a job. We know that. And they've gone. They've gone and got other jobs. And the trouble with being a way fighter is when you don't do it regularly, it really hurts. (laughs) When a journeyman has a few months off, he goes into a fight and he gets stopped or he comes out, you know, man, because they get toughened to it. So 18 months off to a journeyman, he's like starting all over again. And they don't want to do it. They don't want to go in there and feel every punch. They become immune to it after a bit. They become that good at it. Well, 18 months off, he's like starting again. They've softened. They've got, you know, they haven't trained as hard. They haven't been hit. So they don't want to do it. And a lot of them retired, like I say. Chris Jenkinson's one. Ibra Riaz is another. Been quite a few who've retired. You know, so, and again, we're going to see a lack of people who come back and they're going to be saying, well, where's so-and-so? Where's so-and-so? I'll, I'll box him. And when you tell them they've retired and there's a kid who's 2-0 and to box... You know they'll want to know, they'll want COVID to come back. They'll be fucking. They'll be asking Boris Johnson for another furlough for twelve months because they don't want to box anyone who's fighting back, basically. But um, the good thing is now they've got to. They, you know they've literally got to. The only trouble is w- once foreigners are allowed back in, you wait till you see the influx of foreigners on these shows because that's going to be the go to the go to Christian lights, the go to Riaz. It's going to be some geezer called um, Sancho or fucking Eagle. You know what
2: I mean? <laughs> that's a problem, Matt, isn't it? That's a potential problem. Yeah, look, I think one of the good things
0: from a boxing point of view with the COVID was that we had, you know, say, we're not, not going to say 50-50, but we had we had very competitive fights with prospects taking fights that maybe they wouldn't have taken, you know, pre-COVID. Uh, so that was a, that was a, that was a positive that came out of it, and there, I mean, there were some great fights and there were some great learning fights, and yes. There were a couple of upsets too. Um, there were several guys on it. You, you said it a couple of times, Andy. There were the type of guys that on a small hall show, they get a win, but then they'll take the 50-50 fight or they'll, they'll go in the away corner, not a 50. They'll go in as the underdog in the away corner on a televised fight. there was I'm trying to think of a Kane Baker was one. Kane so Baker's he, a he,
2: perfect example. He was yeah. already doing it before COVID, but COVID <clears> was kind of like, you know, that was that was him all over, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, but but if there's no small horse shows, how do these guys get their wins? So then it's you're you just going to have someone with loads of losses, and then that sort of, you know, after a certain amount of losses, the competitive edge and the desire to win will leave you. I remember remember years ago, you had guys like Paul Ramsey and Mark Ramsey. Now they were they were good. They were both ABA champions, both boxed international, all the rest of it. Turn pro, probably didn't go with the right people. Picked up a few losses along the way. Then went into a bit of a journeyman mode, but for I won't say they were journeyman, they were gatekeepers because they were too good to be journeymen. they
1: still there like, were dangermen. There were dangermen. They were yeah. they was going abroad and beating people and stuff like that, weren't they? And then yeah. losing to the top British kids. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So journeymen, journeyman, there weren't there weren't a Peter Buckley or a Brian Coleman. There weren't
0: that and actually it was detrimental to them because they were in hard fights. They were in fights that were taken at short notice. They were out of their way, division. And but because they had that. Pride left that competitive pride to win. They were actually having hard fights where people like Peter Buckley, who knew his job, didn't get didn't take much stick because he knew how to survive and get through the rounds. Now, what I mean is, guys like Kane Baker and that, you know, to get the good fights, I mean, you've got a prospect. Listen, his first couple you might have a journeyman like a Peter Buckley, but eventually you want someone that's going to try and beat you because he needs to. He needs a learning fight. He needs to go through certain situations in order to get the seasoning and to develop. Now, if these guys aren't picking up wins like Cain, then then how do you get the how do you get that right level of opponent? You don't want an out and out journeyman who's only surviving, and you don't want to throw him in too deep. How do you get that middle of the road opponent if you're not if, if, if the likes of Cain Baker's and these types become redundant from not being able to pick up wins on a small hall show? How do you get them in against? Where where does that level of opposition come from? Do
1: you know what also is matt as well, Matt? I was looking at some of the shows, and a lot of the time when you've got like a really full 12-13 fight show, half of them guys have come from the small all scene. Mm. You know, Andy Crowley <laughs> started off with shows fights on the small all scene. Eggington started off with fights on the small all scene. Wayne Alcock, who you beat for the British, he had all his fights on the small all scene. But they ended up being main events on TV shows. But if they didn't have the small all scene to start with, they never would have gotten the small, uh, the big shows to start. So they would never have got the chance to be main events. And a lot of the big guys you turn over, for whatever reason, don't make it. So you're also going to be detrimental to the main events on the big shows because a lot of them come through that way. And when they haven't got the chance to get started and build confidence, you're going to lose some, you know, Terry Flanagan. Without small all-shows, he wouldn't have been a world champion because he had all his fights starting off on small all-shows. Josh, Josh, Warrington. Warrington. Josh Warrington without small all-shows would not have been a world champion. We wouldn't have filled up Ellen Road without small all-shows. And it, it wouldn't have happened because Josh Warrington would have still been working at a dentist. So without them small alls, we also not only miss out on the, like you say, the real positive, solid opponents who pull off the odd upset, we also miss say on about 50% of the main events as well so that's how important they are and people people are not quite looking too far forward with it to be honest
2: yeah that that's 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 another really really good point because when you when you look at a show at the at the O2 or the Manchester arena or or up in sheffield like a big arena where they're hoping to get 10,000 maybe maybe more maybe 20 maybe fill it out 12 13 fights like john said And down the undercard will be three, four, five, maybe big local ticket sellers. Early in their career, Uh, they might not get TV. Then they might get Facebook. Then they'll do well. And then, before you know it, before too long, if they're good, they'll be they'll be on TV. And that happens. I hadn't thought of that really, but but that is
1: for them guys to be the local ticket seller on that show. They've had to become the local ticket seller with the grassroots. Exactly. Without the grassroots, them guys are not getting through. Without grassroots shows. Josh Warrington, Terry Flanagan, for a start, we wouldn't have seen. A lot of these guys that get started off as superstars, they don't make it to main event or chief support. You know, that's how boxing is. But we'd be missing out on a lot of good fighters. You know, like last year, the fight of the year was uh, Sam Eggington, Ted Cheeseman. Ted Cheeseman started on TV. Fair enough. Sam Eggington started in Swansea in the away corner. But they needed both of them guys to make fight of the year. So last year, we've had small all shows. We wouldn't have had a fight to the year, like we wouldn't have had the fight to year that won it. You know, that people don't realize quite how integrated the small all shows are
2: into the success of, of big time boxing as well. I mean, is there anything that the Board of Control can do to try and, or sport can do to try and push the government a bit harder? Or are they just purely at the mercy of, of whatever is decided? Do they have any voice in this, really?
1: I think the Board of Control could quite easily it's stretched like they've stretched the rules one way to be totally safe, which is really good. And it's kept it good. But now, now that like you say, unless you are kind of being a bit daft, the pandemic is kind of where it is. They could stretch the rules the other way. They could say, right, you haven't got to stop in hotels overnight. You've got to do a lateral flow test. If you've had both jabs, that's as good as a, you know, a test because, you know, and they could stretch it. So the smaller promoters could do it. They could easily say to the promoters, look, just to be safe, we're going to have it at 50% capacity and we, we're going to follow certain rules. You know, stuff like that, hand sanitizers and all that, stuff that's not mad expensive. The rules at the moment add seven, eight, sometimes more grand onto a small show. Most small shows, break even, or make two grand. Seven or eight grand is stopping a small show happening. Now, if they could make it so the rules that were put into place or maybe cost 500 quid for a bit of sanitizer and someone to check and a load of lateral flow tests, the shows could be back on. Me and Tommy Owens have already planned that we're going to do shows to half capacity, to keep everyone happy, to keep the customers happy that they're not crammed in. And the shows, if we do them right, should break even. All we want to do is get them shows flowing again, because then in six, 12 months' time, then the shows will be going how they should be, and perhaps you'll make a few quid. But we just need a bit of help, because at the moment the strict rules which was needed in the middle of the pandemic when a thousand people a day was dying, I don't believe them strict rules are needed. Now three to 12 people are dying a day. You know, fucking, I just think that they should move the rules with the way the pandemic's going to help us out. But I just think things have got comfortable where they are. The big shows can afford to do it. The small shows, well, until we're totally happy, we're not going to give ourselves a headache. But it's slipping further and further away and people are retiring. People are looking at bare... People are joining bare knuckle. What the fuck? People have gone and joined bare knuckle. And what about if they enjoy it and we lose some good fighters? You know, and that's that's what's happening.
0: Do, do you know what? I, I, I've thought this a few times. I just there's, there's a lot of uh, people sort of that want to be seen to be above and beyond and ticking every box because... You know, we've all been working on on on, on various shows through the summer, and there's a bubble, and you go in and you have the test, and you go back, and so you see so everyone in the bubble is it does not have COVID. That's a fact because they've all passed the test, they've all done the thing, and no one has left this bubble. Then on the night of the fight, the same people, all the same participants, who have none of them have got COVID because they've they've all done the test and everything, and they've been in the bubble. The cornermen are wearing a face mask. And the fucking visor. I mean, fuck me. If that ain't OCT, then what the fuck? You know, talk about so to me, that's nothing to do with COVID. That's just one two, who whose benefit is that for? Is that for the people watching on TV to think, oh, look how safe they are. They've
1: got them it's they, they bollocks, they've all everyone's been in a bubble. It's a complete me, you know. Matt, so, following on from what you've said, I've been at a show and I'm backstage, and you're following the rules, but you haven't got your mask on all the time and stuff like that. Not a problem. I've gone to do the corner, and I've got someone who's got a cut, and I'm trying to keep an eye on it, and I've got a board inspector who's walked past me backstage and says hello, coming up to me saying, your mask is down a bit, and I'm like, all right, Dr. Kildare, fuck off a minute, will you, and give me (laughs) five minutes. He comes up and starts trying to say to me, you're going to have to come out the corner unless you put it on in this way. And I'm like, oh, fuck off. You're a fucking bricklayer or a shopkeeper or a postman when you're not fucking doing this. Stop telling me how my mask should be on, because none of us fucking know. And when I was backstage, you weren't fucking going mad at me because it's on camera. They get angry about it and like, oh, it's got to be done like this. If it's that fucking desperate, it's got to be done like that. Let me do it backstage as well. Let me do it all the time if you're that worried about my fucking safety. <laughs> Don't ignore me when no one's watching. I'll, I'll tell you about safety. <laughs> The fact that the boxer kind of was trying to say you need to move your head more
0: because he's wearing a mask and a visor—that's more yeah. to do with safety than anything. Like we're, we're commentating, and you know you're zooming in on the corner, and we're trying to commentate. And I'm thinking
1: I can't hear one single word he's saying. I know the fighter can't hear me either. Hey, let me just let's go off COVID for a second because I've got to tell you something that happened during COVID, and it's quite amusing. You're, you you—it weren't amusing for me, but you will find this funny. The MTK show, Nathan Benden took a last-minute job. He was boxing a Polish kid who was unbeaten in seven fights. So I've took Benden up because Benden's game is a fucking badger and I think we can pull off an upset. So we're fighting away. He's lost the first couple of rounds. He's hurt the kid in the third round. He's drew it back. The fifth round, you know, it's all on camera and all that because MTK are doing their, you know, they do a good job, don't they? Honestly, and I'm saying this because I want it out there. The end of the fifth round, I've said to Nathan... I says, you're one point down. I says, I've got you one point down. I says, but the ref is getting pissed off with his fighter. I said, if you put pressure on him and win the last round, I said, you could get a draw. I said, if you drop him or get a point took off him, I says, because the ref is really pissed off with his holding. I says, you can nick a win. I says, do you understand? He went, yeah. I said, you've got to. I said, so he went out. He's winning the round. About a minute ago. the guy's hanging on for dear life. He's got a point took off him. The ref has took the point off. Bendon has won by one point. As soon as I finished, being a bit of a fucking show off, I've gone straight up, I think to, it was, to Barry Jones. I says, did they have mics in the corner? He went, no, we didn't on this show. I was absolutely fucking devastated. <laughs> I would have looked like a fucking genius. And all I can do now is tell people and have them looking at me like I'm telling lies and I'm an absolute yeah. bullshitter. And I swear to God, that's exactly how it went.
0: I was going to say you're good at that too. <laughs> wow!
1: Well, but this one's true. Today I'm telling the truth. Don't you start. I'll have you put back in that glass bowl. Just oh well. That. Interesting. I've, I've got you should, that power.
2: Interesting. You should mention that. And this is what this is yeah. this is what we need to get into now. This, John, John this kind the container. This kind of stuff. Because <laughs> I did, I did, I did. Stay. It was really interesting that, t- talking about the current situation and how small horse is going to come back in. And how boxing has changed a bit, and the dangers going forward. It's it's it, it's important to cover that, and I think people will have found that very interesting. Um, I certainly did. But but we do want to uh, have a bit of fun here. And what, one of my commentary gate commentary gate at the start of Fight Cab. I was at home for that. I didn't. I didn't. Um, Look how
1: he's getting himself out of it straight away, Matt. Oh, I was at
2: home. It was nothing to do with me. I was. I didn't go to the first two fight camp shows. I I was sitting at home. um, Ted Cheeseman against Sam Eggington. And people will remember, people will remember um, how it all basically just went off after the fight because the judges at ringside and everyone really could hear uh, Adam, Adam Smith uh, and Matt commentating at ringside because there's nobody there and sound carries, obviously. Uh, And we had all sorts of... (laughs) We had all sorts of fun and games in the, in the aftermath of that, which resulted in the next <laughs> week um, in two commentary sheds, basically, being being erected um, a little bit further away from ringside and commentators being billeted.
1: All in- I'm going to say is if you're in jail, you don't get put into solitary confinement if you haven't done anything wrong.
2: <laughs> That's
1: no, all no, no, but maybe you've done nothing wrong and all the other inmates are fucking <laughs> grassed on you for nothing... <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, 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 so what you're saying is it's Adam's fault I'll go with that one as a mate I'll go with it's Adam's fault just put Adam in the fucking booth in fact put him in a broom cupboard put him in a fucking broom cupboard that's what I'm saying well no it was uh you know what the fight got fired to the year it didn't do any other men any harm you know what I mean fucking I had Matt on the phone oh I'm sorry oh no, we're still mates and all that ballad. I'm like Matt don't worry about it mate we're still mates and he's like, oh, well, we're best mates. I'm like, all right, we're best mates. He's like, oh, we best mates forever. I'm like, all right, we're best mates forever. But we, you know, we got there in the end. Then he says, can I beat you at chess? I went, we're not going that far. We're not going that far, Matt. You know what I mean? So, so
0: Andy, you can imagine me, John Pegg, my pal, you know, been on the podcast many, many times, all the rest of it. We spoke the, the next day. We spoke that night and the next day. And I said, John... I had it 115, 114, the same as one of the judges. Two of them had it 116, 113. It was a close fight. The same it as Adam, though, he was. That
1: was the same as Adam.
0: If Sam had got it, no problem. I achieved my winning by a round, as did the other three judges, whatever. Blah, blah, blah. Then, that's all right. Heat at the moment, whatever. The next day, and during the week, I'm on Twitter, and I can see John Pegg sweeting. And like all these things. They were saying, like, that machine's a wanker, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> no, nah, I didn't tweet swear words. I
1: John, I John Pegg's retweeting this? No, I didn't. What the fuck? Now, do you know what? I actually <laughs> made a point of not retweeting insults. I retweeted oh, where the you no. got it wrong, but I actually <laughs> made a point of not retweeting insults. John's ringing everyone, complaining, get on Twitter, say this, <laughs> do this. <laughs> now, if you know me, you know I'm not going to waste my phone bill. I'm, there's no way I'm wasting <laughs> any money on a phone bill. No, I didn't, re- I didn't retweet insults. I did retweet the positive, like the, the, the scoring was wrong, but I didn't retweet insults. I wouldn't do that. I retweeted some insults towards Adam because he's not my mate. So I didn't give a fuck about that, to be honest. But yeah, so, and then every... I, but you know, honestly, because we are mates and you do have a discussion afterwards, yeah. and every time I see him in the little fish yeah, bowl, Oh, Andy, it's, it's took a year for us to be mates again. <laughs> I, 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 was, I was mates. But every well, time I months. see him in the fish bowl. I was like, "Fuck! I've done that. I've put my mate in a fucking fishbowl, and I felt bad about it." To be honest,
2: wow, John, that was what I was going to say. Is 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 that you changed the 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 ringside architecture of COVID boxing because everybody after that at Sky shows, um, we had those porter cabins at the SSC Arena. Um, you know the power of the peg. You know the power of the people. Mm. Do you know what, Andy? I'm honestly about all
1: that stuff. I'm mm. not that bothered. I'm actually bothered that Mrs. Macklin sent me a text saying, if you get my Matthew in trouble again, I'll give you a kick in the bollocks. I'm more scared of that, to be fair. So, you know, Matt's saying I was ringing my mates. He got his mum onto me. So, you know, fucking, it's not good.
2: But no, he's, he's gone nuclear there, hasn't he? You know, there was no real need for that, Matt, if I'm honest. you know that, Yeah, that's, well, he that...
1: knows I'm scared to death of his mum. That's what he, I'm I'm scared of all Irish mothers. So he knows that, you know, I ain't been around the house since. Hey, hey, ki- hey, kids. hey, everybody, sitting here with a famous Slovenian philosopher. How are you doing, sir? I am uh, in health, thank you. Are you uh, excited about something? I am excited about this
0: latest uh, CIA-funded venture. A CIA venture? Yes, it's called the Desire and Capital Podcast. Oh, what is it about?
1: I refuse your fascist question. Well, there you have it. Listen to the Desiring Capital podcast, coming soon to a bourgeois platform
2: near you. On your marks, get set, go! This is so crazy! I make you a wise man. I make you a wise man. I've got an Irish mum. And um, yeah, not to be trifled with, not to be trifled with at all, under any circumstances. Fight Fight Cam was good fun though, wasn't it? You know, That was one of the things where, um, I'm not surprised they're repeating it this year, uh, because... It just kind of coming out of that first lockdown, and we we're at a point where, falsely, as it turned out, we thought things might be not that far away from um, from getting back to normal. We've you know we've been using that phrase forever, um, but it did give everything a lift, didn't it? You know, and I think I think being in the bubble kind of it seemed like there was a bit of a a bit of a kind of almost carry on boxing type atmosphere to it. it, it yeah, no, looked, it was it was just unique, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, it was was really good fun. And it was, you know what? Again, though, I think you can see the difference with fight camp this year. I don't think it's quite as competitive as last year. Because last year, everyone was desperate to do something. It was like, it could be you fight, fight, fight a tiger. And lads would have gone, yeah, I'll fight it. I think this year, people are just starting to ease back into being a little bit more careful. A little bit more, I'm the home guy, they're the away guy. I think last year I think it was brutal. I think people were just going at it to be honest. I think it was really good. But now it's just great fun. And fighting outside and you know in the back garden. It was just it was just just really good. Yeah, and I think it showed as well if you're if you're in
0: a if you're in a a 50-50 type fight, like I say it might not be 50-50, but in a very competitive fight on TV and it's a great fight, and you come out at the wrong end of it. I don't think it's going to do your career any harm. Yeah, loss ain't great. No one wants to lose. But if you're losing in a great fight that was
1: considered 50-50 type going in anyway, your stock can still rise in defeat. Do you know what, Matt? Um, We've spoke about this how many times. It shouldn't take COVID to prove that. You know, look at the guys in my gym. Look at fucking Eggington. Seven losses and he's still topping bills on TV. Look at yourself. Now, mm. you was one of these lads who was like a real top amateur. The kind of guys who, with a loss, a lot of them crumble because they haven't got the right mentality. You had three losses before you fought for a world title, before you was robbed for a world title. Two. You know, was it two? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's putting losses on me now? <laughs> Fuck me. Yeah, well, you, you got lucky against Alcock. <laughs> well, well, no, what I'm saying is a lot of guys would have given up before then. You know, a couple of yeah. losses, and they go, oh, that's me done. You know, and you you know, people are going, they're having a loss and they think they're done. It shouldn't take COVID to prove that. It should just be become a better fighter, you have another loss, become a better fighter, you have another loss. Fucking become a better fighter, do you know what I mean? It should be your age and your condition that tell you when you're done, not a couple of losses on your record. If you're finished, you know you're finished. If you're not finished, it don't mean it don't mean anything. And it shouldn't take COVID to prove that. And that's why we've got to take the good things out of COVID. We've got to say we've seen fighters come through after losses. We've seen people not give up. We've got to take the good stuff out of COVID. Otherwise, we'll never, you know, we'll never get anywhere. Do you know
2: what I mean? Absolutely, absolutely. So let's just go right back to the start. What I mean, what was I remember the very beginning of it from my own point of view. We were, me and Andy Scott were, and Ed Robinson were sitting down at at Repton, um, not far from where I live, actually, in mid March. Uh, Tuesday I think it was because we had the golden contract light heavyweight semifinals on a Friday we were waiting to do the draw we were thinking that would still happen and then the word came through that the show was off and we knew that things were going to grind to a halt from then onwards and it was just a kind of strange strange atmosphere where nobody nobody had a clue what was going on and and we had a press conference later that week I think for Chisora against Usyk and people were kind of behaving like this might happen in May and we were in mid-March and then things accelerated very very quickly. I mean, wh- wh- when did you kind of first realise shit? Like
1: we had a week to go for a show in, in, in a Coventry, um, Craig Richards against Shaq and Peters the original one, and we literally done the, the what's it a week before and the guy at the venue goes, oh, the, the people with COVID are talking about that things might be shut down next week. And we was like, oh, shut up, you fucking idiot. A week later, everything was cancelled. A fucking week after that, we're sitting in our house playing noughts and crosses. That's how kind of quick it envelopes us. We went from doing a press conference with loads of people at to two weeks later, everyone's locked in. Hey, any COVID tests have you guys had while doing the show? There's got to be a lot in it.
2: Well, we've not really been in bubbles, so we've been kind of okay. I mean, I've I've done most of mine in the last two or three months, like going away for the odd thing with IEBA. I've, I've got to do another one tomorrow morning. I'm you off. You know to what? A COVID grill. test
1: is, is a great way to find out if someone's a potential fucking serial killer. Some of these nurses literally just tickle your nose and they kind of look at you like a caring professional. Some of them try and perform fucking brain surgery on you with a stick. They stick it that far up your nose. You're doing all right, all right. And they're like, no, no. And I swear, it's, it's like, some of these nurses who do these tests, I want their hard drives looked at. Some of them are fucking sadists, I swear to God. I could see how injured, honestly. So I was. I wanted to get other people's opinions because some it's like, oh, there you go. Others is like, bosh. You but- know, that. Fucking you know, hell, she's she, she's performing SNM, aren't you? Getting dressed up in a nurse's outfit and sticking the you know, <laughs> afterwards I, really, I realised I'd have gone into the wrong cubicle. <laughs> but all I will say is I followed Adam Smith into that cubicle, so I thought it must be okay. Do you know what I mean? So he was in there first for half an hour. I don't know what was going on. <laughs>
2: Well, you know, people have very, very selective individual tastes when it comes to when it comes to that kind of thing. Sometimes,
1: My fucking, you know some of them are horrible.
2: Most of the tests I've had to do, I've had to, I've had to administer myself, and I always end up sticking that fucking swab too far up my nose to the point where my eyes start, eyes start watering. But me and Matt have got away with it mainly because we've come in and out on the day, uh, on the day of the show, and I haven't really been too, I haven't been too bothered about that because. I to be fair, the, Andy, you've got quite a big con, can you? What was you
1: using? A broom handle. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's a ludicrous exaggeration. And he knows it is. Anybody get onto YouTube and have a look at this. I, there's, there's, there's no frotch there's no frotch type activity going on here. Yeah. This is great. <clears throat> it's not small, though, is it? I bet nobody offers you any
1: cocaine at parties, do they? <laughs> Hey everybody, this is Moto G Pete
0: from the Nokomoto Motorcycle Podcast. Join us every week while we rate, review, ride, philosophize and generally obsess over every single motorcycle make, model and style that could possibly exist, plus news and racing. That's the Nokomoto Motorcycle Podcast from Moto One Podcast Network Studios.
2: So, Macklin, what about what about you, G? Do you remember the, the kind of early, when I look back on it now? It just—I remember my brother and uh, my brother-in-law. hes who's a—he's a, a doctor now. He was just about to qualify then. Kind of last last Christmas, just saying to me very matter-of-factly. I think I asked him about, you know, what was going on in China and all the rest of it, and or maybe it was early the next year. I can't quite remember the the timeline. And he just very matter-of-factly said to me, "Yeah, you know, people in hospitals, uh hospital I'm in, mean, and it'll be the same in any hospital. They're all sitting around and." We're all sitting around talking about it. Uh, and this is coming to the UK. Uh, no way this isn't coming to the UK. This is going to be a global pandemic. Um, We will warn the government, the NHS will warn the government, they won't pay attention uh, and it will be a total fucking shit show. Uh, that's what's happening. That's what's going to happen. And I just thought, Christ, that sounds a bit bleak. And I didn't believe him. Uh, and I still didn't believe him when I saw the, the footage from Paris and Italy and Spain. And I think about it now and I just think, I, I rate myself as being fairly intelligent, but I think about it now and just think, what kind of a fucking fool am I thinking that that what was happening there wasn't going to happen here? I mean, when when did it kind of dawn on you that this was? Oh God, like this is going to be, this is going to be bad. Well, me, that's a
0: better prediction than John peg saying your man's going to get the
2: point off in the final round.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: was true, and he just made it up for likes.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jakore Maruzawuru, Doctor Jakore You can look him up. He'll be on the NHS list. Uh, he What's wouldn't he saying only... now, Andy? What's he saying now? He's saying now that it, well, at the time he said basically that the pandemic's two years. You know, before everything gets back to that—that's the kind of accepted thinking on it. That it'll be be two years. Um, yeah. I think. I think now. I think in the medical profession, what what. From what I could tell, the the overriding kind of opinion was that keep that vaccine rolling out, and once and once it's been once it's been rolled out, then basically at that point, what what more can you really do? Um, in the winter, things will spike like it does with the flu because people are indoors <coughs> more and all that kind of thing. Um, but you have to try and you have to try and just continue. Because otherwise, well, the cure becomes worse than the things will never get. The illness, normal. doesn't it, in the end? Yeah, yeah, that's it.
0: That's it. Um, you know, I, I mean, from, from when it all happened, I remember when it was being so March seventh, we did a show in Manchester, John O'Carroll against Scott Quigg, and you know there was there was full capacity crowd in attendance. Nothing had closed down at that point, but obviously we were seeing on the news everything that was happening in Italy. And Spain etc um, you know there was a lot of talk of, of, of the potentiality of things happening here but certainly no decision had been made <clears throat> the following Thursday I flew to New York so I was going to watch uh, oh, you Michael Conlon did, you? Yeah. Ah, terrible so was, timing terrible Super Mick, Mick, yeah Mick was meant to box on the Saturday and then on the Tuesday um or, or sorry, maybe Shakur was meant to box on the Saturday, and, and Mick was going to box on the Tuesday, or whichever way around it was. There were two, there were two shows, so I'd had quite a good weekend. Sort of pencil in, you know. I lived in New York, got a lot of friends there, going to catch up with them, blah blah blah. Anyway, I land there Thursday. I go to Mustang Harry's, which is a bar next to the garden, which my mate owns, and everyone in the boxing kind of goes in there because it's near the garden. and That, and Mick was there, and he said the fight's tough. Both shows are off. Everything's off. That, that was Thursday evening. Friday, <clears throat> I'm like, fucking hell. I've gone, I've gone, had something to eat in that bar. And everything was just closing down. They said, listen, everything's closing. Everyone's getting out of the city, blah, blah, blah. So then I, on Saturday morning, I'm thinking, fuck, I don't want to get stuck in New York. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I wouldn't mind being stuck in New York if everything else is open. But if everything's closed down, I don't want to be stuck here and I can't get back. So I changed my flight and I flew out like early hours, Sunday morning, uh, got back and then literally got back. And then a couple of days later, the golden contracting was meant to happen. And then the decision got made on that. And The UK went into complete lockdown, I think, on the 23rd, was it, or 24th, around that date. So, yeah, because the week before our show was meant to be on and got cancelled the week before that, yeah. So it all it, it all just kind of went from nothing to everything in the space of like a week, 10 days, didn't
2: it? Yeah, it did. It did. It's, it's, I remember like one of the one thing I did do in that initial lockdown, which I remember at the time just thinking I'll never ever get to do this again was um, my wife's business kept going. So I went in and and helped her out with that. And sometimes we go and do deliveries because obviously food shops were allowed to stay open. And there was a place we're delivering to in Hampstead and the, the factories in Bermondsey. Uh, usually you would never you would never attempt that journey by car. It would just be a complete disaster. Um, but because everywhere was literally deserted, you could just drive there in 20 minutes, um, just driving through central London, the middle of town around Trafalgar Square, everywhere. <coughs> and on the way back, we just drove around the centre of London um, and there was nobody there. And I remember thinking at the time, I took a load of pictures, I remember thinking at the time, I will never... Get to do this again i can't even think of the last time that anybody would have got to do this because you, you, you could go like really early in the morning but there's still buses around the cars around still quite a lot of people around but this is the middle of the day bright sunshine and there is nobody around it was like a zombie film it was just it was just weird but you know, you know talking like- <laughs> about talking about zombie films
1: i put the first episode of that film i made before the pandemic on youtube and it got watched by so many people and people saying, like, they were treating it like it, like I'd met it during the pandemic. Oh, what happens next? And I was like, no, no, I met this beforehand. And, like, conspiracy theories, I think, was believing that I knew something. They was kind of like, oh, you knew too much. And I was like, no, just a film I made 12 months ago about people scared of a fucking mystery fucking danger. But no, it's a, and, you know, everyone who, who, everyone who watches a zombie film, they always like to think, I know what I'd do at the end of the world. Well, it fucking basically happened and we all stayed in and ate toast and chocolate, basically, you know what I mean? We'd be fucking useless, wouldn't we? You know, look, none of us had a, a, a clue, to be fair. You know, I it, just put a stone on. I don't know about you fuckers. Do, do you know what? I, I The opposite. I got fit. I got down to like 12 stone.
0: I got proper in good shape during the lockdown. No, it's just, that's just weird. No, because, <laughs> you know, I, basically, my cooking abilities were limited enough so I could, I could boil and steam vegetables. I could, you know, Pan fry a bit of fish. And I just thought, fuck it, when am I gonna have this time to kind of get fit and have a bit of structure and routine? And I ended up getting like uh, quite fit in the lockdown. Like I said, I got down to twelve stone. I fucking I haven't been down to, I haven't been down to twelve stone since like the week before a fight.
1: When I don't I was, think but- I li- I don't think I like sensible Matthew very much, to be honest. <laughs> He's not much fun, is he, Andy?
2: No, I mean he's never really been that much fun, has he? To be honest, I mean you know it's, it's, <laughs> you, it's... you
1: missed you missed his heyday, mate. Yeah. <laughs> you missed his fucking heyday. Trust me, he was
2: fun. Yeah, but but I think I think in the early stages, people just you know there was a bit of a sort of spirit about the whole thing where people were going to try and enjoy it, and people did buy a lot of shit. Like my my, my wife's business kind of exploded on the online sales because people were buying. Just stuff that they thought would would help them get through. People were watching loads of TV, were going nuts doing exercise <coughs> stuff. I, I remember watching one thing on the news that kind of that did sort of really make me laugh. They were, they were, it, what what I always thought was quite funny about it was this idea that, you know, we're all in it together. It's the same for everyone. It wasn't the same for everyone. And and on BBC News one night, they did this feature with I, I won't, I won't say her name because it's not fair. She was just trying to help, but they did the feature with an actress where she gave a guide to like how to entertain yourself at home in lockdown. And she did this five, 10 minute thing on, you know, all this is what me and my family are doing in her massive house and her massive garden with her loads and loads and loads of money. And I'm just thinking this has got to be counterproductive for so many people watching this, just thinking, if you've got a massive fucking house and garden and loads of cash, then any situation is going to be better I remember just thinking, who thought of this? Who thought of this what, as being a good thing What, do you think Matthew do? was
1: all right? What, do you think Matthew was okay? Have you seen his
2: garden? He's got
1: a football pitch and a swimming pool and everything. It just, it's I like just I keep fit, it? when you got a football pitch and a tennis court.
2: And a butler, and a butler yeah. to steam your vegetables. Yeah.
1: <laughs> no, but, but know, that, that,
2: that first one, that, that, that first lockdown was, it was... Um, yeah, I mean, I actually kind of quite enjoyed it. I kind of quite enjoyed it. But then, it's, it's funny how I yeah, found you know Yeah, we, we enjoyed, enjoyed it because we thought it was just wouldn't... going to be a couple of months. Yeah, yeah. That I was just
1: about to say, it's a lot more enjoyable when you think, oh, I'll be out of here in a few weeks. People go into jail for a month and go, oh, I'm just going to freshen up. If somebody gets told they've got nine years, they're not quite as happy going in there, do you know what I mean? Yeah. If they would have <laughs> said to us in two years' time, you're going to be still sitting in your garden talking to Andy Clark and Matthew Macklin I'd
2: have been like, I'd have just jumped out the window, to be honest. Fucking <laughs> hell. Yo, I'm DK, co-host of the One Star Recruits podcast. My best friend Rip and I host five-star athletes, celebs, business leaders, comedians, and coaches from around the world. Each week, I can guarantee the show will always have great laughs, catch up on life's in relatable ways, and have a ton of fun. We're recruiting you. We are the one stars, which means we can ask the questions that no other podcast asks. To guests like Joey Chestnut, Evander Holyfield, Bobby Hurley, Jenny Finch, Ryan Lochte, Montel Jordan, new guests every week, compelling interviews that you want to hear. Check us out wherever you get podcasts. One Star recruits. Uh, Well, I mean, it's what I found about the whole thing as well is that it's it's kind of disturbed my space-time continuum almost. I think I said this a few months ago, whereby this time last year doesn't feel like that long ago to me somehow. But then the shows we did in kind of September, October time feel like ages ago. They feel like they came before Fight Camp and Fight Camp still feels quite fresh i don't know it's it's kind of i guess that's the product of just doing the same thing all the time everything just blends into one and kind of gets gets rearranged how's it been with well, me and macklin don't have children john so how's it been with like kids in the house and stuff like that is it total mayhem i know, I know they're not like really young but even well still-
1: my youngest one moved into the loft he had enough that much he moved into the loft and turned it turned it into his room so that you know that happened there my daughter was lucky enough that her filming was put back a bit, but she got to go off and film under magistrate rules. But no, it, 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 it's nuts, because mine are quite active. I was kind of lucky I could take Joe to the gym with me. But no, that that was the harder bit. And what we're lucky is, is we've got a few dogs, so they could take them for walks and things like that. But yeah, it's, you know, it, I mean, you've got no kids and your wife makes chocolate. How the fuck can anything
2: bother you? Do you know what I mean? It's about the choices you make in life, John, isn't it? And I've chosen wisely. You know, what yeah, can, I, what can I say? Yeah, a lot fucking
1: wiser than me, trust me.
2: <laughs> and then you got Matthew,
1: fucking, he's living on about seven acres. He's weighing 12 stone for the first time in years. He's got no kids. And he's saying, oh, well, it weren't too bad. Try fucking having six dogs and three fucking teenagers, seeing how you get on in COVID. You know what no, I mean? That, wonder why my beard's was, gone grey. I'd say it was tough with kids, definitely. must have been. No, it was, it was, um, you, you have to find things for him to do and stuff like that. And like I say, Jack turned the loft into a, his own little space, which was a project for him. The biggest one who suffered for me was Joe, because he likes to train. Once we was allowed back in the gym with elite athletes, he'd come along with me. But until then, he was going round the bend, to be honest. And when he goes round the bend, he texted out on everyone else. So, yeah, if, if if you felt like you was missing out both of you, I've got a spare one each for both of you. <laughs> next next time I can send them along, no problem whatsoever. Do, do, know what find, do you know what I find a bit
0: mad now though? You know, we're still sort of in it. We're meant to have been out of it, but we're not. And then you're thinking, right, you know, that even if they're saying, oh, but next month definitely, I just don't trust it anymore. Is it not the hokey coke of infectious diseases, any? You yeah. know what I mean? But it's like, how do you plan it? You know, I, I'm always someone that's always thinking ahead, you know trying to think of different moves, and this could happen, that could happen. But
1: what's the point? Because we don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, it is hard to stay positive and keep the boxers positive. Oh, we've got this show coming, stuff like that. When it can get the rug, can get pulled under you so easy. And like, you know, Matt, training hard for a fight. When you've got an idea that there's a good chance it won't happen, you can't put the full hammer in, can you? Do you know what I mean? It's (laughs) it's really hard.
0: And if you're, you know... Like you say, if you're, if you're an all or nothing type of person, you could easily just think, ah, fuck it, as well. I'd say there's a lot of boxers thinking that. Is it hard to try and get fuck. them in? Stay
1: consistent. Do you know what? About 70% had a little kind of break. And then because it was a break, they got back in and it was okay. But we've lost 20 or 30%. And whether we get them back or not, I don't know. We've basically lost them to like doing what they want to do. Maybe working because they got work or partying because people have been partying. They've been getting furlough pay with nothing to spend it on. So they've been partying where they can. And we've lost some boxers and whether they come back or not, I don't know. And the longer it is, the less chance you've got of getting them back. If someone's been out for a year, it's 50-50. Someone has been out for two years, it's 75-25. They've been out for three or four years. You're probably not getting them back. And that's what we might be losing. But the ones who have put the work in, it's kind of nice that they're you know you got a reward. When I do them first shows, I know who deserves to be on them shows first. I know who deserves the very first place. The other ones, I'm going to say to them, well, when you're missing three sessions out of five, you're waiting for the second or the third show. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, again, I'm trying to draw the positives out of things that end positive. And that's the only way as a coach, and manager, anything you're going forward, you got to show that there's a positive always, but it's not easy sometimes.
2: Yeah, I think that's. Uh, I I'd love to see that happen. That the people who stepped up during this during this period get get rewarded. That that be recognised uh, by all promoters who have used fighters like that on their shows. One thing I was meaning to meaning to ask you. You mentioned later on you've been in a lot of a lot of bubbles. The the reason why I was never particularly jealous of going into bubbles is because you're all just kind of hemmed into one place when it's new and fresh. It's probably quite, quite fun, but then that might wear off quite quickly. If, if you've been in any, um, where, right. where, Andy, you've looked, where you've looked around and you just thought, Oh God, not you. Fuck. I've got to spend. I've got to be honest. You're talking as someone
1: who lives with just your wife and loads of chocolate. Of course you don't want to leave home. I'm talking to someone with three teenage kids and six dogs. The Bubbles, for me, was an absolute fucking beautiful time. I was going to a lovely room where I got food delivered three times a day. No matter what phone call come to me, I couldn't leave that room. I was sitting there with a few books and a writing pad. I was looking forward to the fucking Bubbles. Honestly, it was, you sit down and you tick what you want. You're not getting fucking pie and chips that the kids have chose shoved in front of you. You're like, oh, I want this today, I want that. It was fucking brilliant. Anyone who says it weren't brilliant. um,
0: John, no one shoved pie and chips in front of you, mate. No one shoved it in front
1: of you. Well, sometimes I wanted lasagna or something like that. But what I'm saying is I'm choosing a dessert and things like that. It was fucking heaven for me. And I'm there for four days, no matter what phone call I get. Unless it's a serious emergency, I'm like, sorry, I'm in my room. There's fuck all I can do. I'm staying here. And the fact is, once you go out, you go downstairs, there's a little games room, you have a game of chess, you have a chat with someone, the moment you're pissed off with it, you go back to your room and nobody can even knock your door because you're like, whoa, COVID, fuck off a minute." You know what I mean? (laughs) For me, for someone who's a little bit antisocial, who likes to pick and choose their moments, honestly, that was one of the fucking beauties. That's the bit I'm going to miss. I'm gonna miss that bit. I actually quite enjoyed that bit. It was fucking. And you gotta remember as well. Matt will tell you this: the last four days of a boxer is the hardest part of making weights. Now, if they're allowed to be at home till right up till two days before, they're nicking a chip off the kids' plate. They're having a, a a chocolate roll that for some reason doesn't count in weight making. When you've got them in a bubble and you're keeping an eye on it, it's been the easiest time of of getting the boxers on weight properly. So as a coach, the bubble was a fucking godsend, especially the matchroom one where they seem to want you there for about three months beforehand, you know what I mean? And you're all in a hotel together. So as a coach, it was good. And as someone who's a bit antisocial and who lives in a house with about 15 other fucking life forms, it weren't too bad at all, to be honest. If If I just lived with my wife and she made chocolate, or like Matt, I lived in somewhere with... Like you know, swimming pools and fucking swimming tennis courts and all that. I might not like the bubble. As a person in my position, the bubble was fucking great, to be honest.
2: Yeah, but did you not get into some bubbles and look around and just think, oh, not you again? I'm, I'm now nah, you just you, you find the entertainment
1: days. and all of it. We was at one, uh, one of the matching ones not not long back, and uh Nick Manners was there, you know, Nick from Leeds. And like Nick, he's a quite a funny guy, but for some reason on this one we all kind of turned on him and bullied him. And he's a six foot two, proper scrapper. He left his phone on the side and he'd been sending sexy pictures to his girlfriend. Guess what? Steve Wood sent all them pictures to us and we was doing memes and everything. So, you know, we we was finding our own entertainment in the bubble. Like, you could see Nick Manners was thinking, why are all these small fucking middle-aged men taking the piss out of me like, like I'm not a 6 foot 2 15 stone ex-boxer and so we just met our own entertainments, and uh, you know some of the bubbles I was hearing stories and I was gutted I'd missed them I heard like you know like stuff was going and I was like fucking hell I wish I was in the bubble for that one so now nah, there weren't once where I thought oh god what's he doing here you know I was beating um, I was beating a referee and a board a high board official one night at chess quite badly and I thought to myself, I could be making a big mistake here. I'm enjoying the fuck out of absolutely hammering the pair of them. But they could like, they could like get a vendetta against me Here I'm beating them that bad. But no, there was, it, it, it was actually good fun, the whole lot of it. But if you, if you weren't there, if you weren't a person who decided you was going to have good fun, it could be really depressing. But I went there going, you know what? Most of the people, you know, if there's someone you're not keen on, just, don't talk to them, But most people, you are. Yeah. I, I, honestly, I, I, I didn't. I did not not enjoy one minute of the bubbles. And I've done about twelve or thirteen of them, and I did not enjoy not one of them. To be honest,
2: it, I mean, it does sound like it was kind of yeah, like kind of like carry on boxing, Heidi High sort of. <laughs> Oh, we just, uh, had, those yeah, we just are two references that'll be totally you, you, you gotta to remember us,
0: you, you gotta remember as well, Andy. This is a time when everything was closed. It's not like you're missing out on anything else. There weren't it weren't like you could do anything, and of all course. of a sudden, you know, you're in boxing
1: in you've a seen all with your loads mates. of other boxing people, you're gonna have a good time. Yeah, you've seen all your mates, and, and like I say, it's uh you know, it's it's it it's it, it, it's good fun, you know. There's there's not many people you don't have the crack with in boxing. So it's good. Like, you know, I, in fact, I'll send both of you that sexy picture that Nick Manners was sending to his <laughs> girlfriend. It was fucking hilarious. He was absolutely devastated when he realized all of us had it on our phones. But no, it was a, it was good fun. It was. Um, And you know what? Because you weren't allowed off and you weren't allowed to, allowed to go off and get your own meals and stuff like that. I actually got to know people who I know. Okay. I got to know them really well in the bubbles. You know, I'd be sitting there for a couple of hours chatting with people that usually I might just say hello to. So, again, it's taking a positive out of things. It weren't a positive situation, but there was plenty of positives to take out of it, and, and we did. You know what I mean? I well,
0: suppose you just got to embrace
1: it, don't you? Things like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you know what? After what we've been going through for the last 12 months, you learn to enjoy anything. You know what I mean? Apart from Mexicans. You see, <laughs> in fact, when Sam fought that Molina, I thought to myself, fucking hell. We're, we're, we might be uh, you know, what we're doing here, these Mexicans are coming over here like we're easy pickings. And you know what I mean? But yeah, everything in the bubble. It was it was all good fun. It was, you know, everyone just kind of enjoyed it for what it was. Everyone, you know, I was I was walking up and down the fence on the very first one, like in The Great Escape with um, Chris Sanagar and somebody else. And like we probably wouldn't have done had an hour's chat at any other time we were chatting away for over an hour, and like I say, you got to take the positives out of it because there's so many negatives that you can cling on to if you want to. But well, that's not a boxing person or a boxer's mindset. You got to take the positives out of things.
2: Yeah, no, no, you, no, you explain it if you like it. It makes sense. You just sense got your because... give me state now, ain't you? Well, yeah, a bit, actually. Yeah, I mean, I love fight week. You know, fight week's great. You know, when you go to something every day, you bump into people, you have a chat. But like you say, when you're kind of forced into that close proximity, you'll talk for longer and about things you didn't expect to. And I get it, yeah. The way now you explain it, I do get it.
1: And watching so, people who are fighting, playing table tennis against each other and stuff like that, it's kind you know, of a little bit surreal. Do
0: you know years ago when you're boxing... For England and you go away to these multi-nations tournaments you're staying in these hotels and you're struggling to make weight and hotels aren't the best you know it's on a budget type of thing and so you're going through you're being deprived really you know you're, you're nervous you've got pressure on. you've got to make weight you're starving but you know you know when you look back now and you tell the stories you're crying like you look back and you're thinking they were some of the best days of my life but when you're there you, you wouldn't you, you wouldn't pick those circumstances to go on a holiday, let's say, for example. But actually, I look back on those times and they were they
1: were, they were, they were better than half the holidays I've been on. Yeah, no, nah, and that's what I'm saying. The bubbles, I, I quite look forward to them. You know, you pull up, you get in there, you everything's there, there's no, there's no stress. Yeah, you're locked in there, but you know what? You're there for a fucking fight. You shouldn't be going off gallivanting anywhere anyway. You should be concentrating on what you're doing. You should be thinking boxing. And if you want to have a game of pool or a game of table tennis or a game of chess, that should be about it, really. You shouldn't be wanting to go visiting places and stuff. And you should you shouldn't want your boxer in one place. The kind of the bubbles, without the testing, is something I'm going to miss. I think they're really good for like getting your boxer right, getting him focused. Focus. I, think that's, I think that's why we've seen so many good fights, because people have four or five days where they're not getting the kids up two days before. Because even championship boxers... They're at home till two or three days before, and they're still getting woke up with the little kids and stuff like that. I think I, you know, I think it's something that obviously it can't really be afforded, but it, it weren't a bad thing. I think it was actually a good thing, to be honest.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. That that make that that makes total sense. I hadn't really, again, that's something I'd not really thought of that. But having knowing where your fighter is and knowing that there's only so many things available on room service and 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 all that kind of stuff, it it it's um. Yeah, I mean that, that, well, again, that. makes.
1: Why don't you see if you can be in the bubble for fight camp and and enjoy? It?
2: Um, well, I mean we're not covering fight camp. Yeah but, yeah, but they still need you and Matt. It's just not. It's not fight camp without you, pair. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, uh, I can't see that. Any man, if you don't have
1: Matt and Andy there, I'm cancelling my subscription. So it's up to you. If you want to lose that eighty quid, for the sake, of, you know. But what I'm saying is, before that, because they, hopefully they're going to be ending in about a month. I'd definitely get into a bubble and just go and experience it.
2: You yeah, know, the so court,
1: three or four days.
2: Yeah, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't been on that side of it. I haven't been on and that side. And it's crazy
1: of it. how relaxed the boxers are. The boxers are all totally chilled, out. Like I say, I've seen people who are fighting each other playing table tennis against each other.
2: Yeah, that's been you an know, interesting one. That's been an interesting know, one.
1: Stuff like that and, you know, just having the, look, it, it It's good fun. And I'll tell you what, you get a bit of work done there as well. You know, as the matchmaker, there's nothing like having a load of managers and trainers track somewhere for four days to get fights out of them. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, well, you know, in terms of, you know, those jobs that you never get round to doing, phone calls, emails, whatever. Got no excuse, have you?
1: Yeah, no, you just, you just get them done. You take stuff along. I fuck, I forgot you. You ain't going to be at fight camp.
2: No, that's it. That's it. That's that's a matchroom to zone enterprise. So, so we're not going to be. We're not going to be there. We're not going to uh, be. It's going to be rubbish, then, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I'd have thought so. I'd have thought so. Um, it's no <laughs> good sticking a few world champions and that and I'm thinking it's going to make up for you and Matt. No, it can't. It can't. It's, it's a mortal blow from which it will never we're, recover. We're
1: irreplaceable, even in that <laughs> fucking shed fifty meters from the ring. Ah, uh, it's not a shed. It was a little goldfish bowl. <laughs> we can still see you. Yeah? Anyway,
2: anyway, I would have anyway. been,
1: been angry if they'd have put wood up. I would have ripped it down myself. The fact he was just a bit of glass. I thought that was quite nice.
2: Anyway, John we, the need to, pig. we need to <laughs> we need to wind this up. We need to wind this up because uh, we've got quite a busy day today. We're recording one with Joe Gallagher in about an hour or so and uh he, he was the other one campaigning. Right. Well, good. We could get into that. We could get into it. not it amazing it well. that two people, two people that know you really well was campaigning before <laughs> you No know, strangers? But just quickly before we let you go, this this sprang into my mind when you mentioned um, his uh, his name earlier on our, our esteemed uh, health secretary. One fight which we could put on, uh, given news in in recent weeks, that I think I think the public would I think would be demand for it. I think it would be pay per view worthy. Would be Matt Hancock against Dominic Cummings. Um, what are your thoughts on that particular match, John? Here's um, and- Morgan. Just thinking about it quickly, I mean, you know what? Hancock I, I versus I, Cummings, who would, who think, would you favour?
1: I think Dominic Cummings would fuck him up.
2: Yeah. He's got a it's bit a- of
1: a nasty streak about him, hasn't he? Hancock is the kind of kid who got bullied at school. Cummings was the kind of kid who was sending people to bully him. But let's be honest as well, neither of them would stand a chance with we fucking Bojo, would they? Have you seen Bojo when he's taking kids out by accident playing football and that? He's a fucking beast. But yeah, no, <laughs> Dominic
0: Cummings, boy... <laughs> Hancock's a bloodroom idiot. He, he he can't fucking he can't
1: throw a coherent sentence together when he's reading off a script. Imagine him under pressure. I think Hancock would do what JJ Bird did at um, a prizefighter. I think he'd faint in the dressing room and get pulled out before he even got in there. That's what I think with Hancock. But yeah, <laughs> Cummings. I think Cummings would, would bash him up. I think Boris Johnson is a fucking
0: master of deflection, man. He's like James Tony deflecting shots. And, and he's he also never gets, shaped. He like never an allows older himself James to Tony. get
1: pins, does he? He just weathers the storm. <laughs> and and, he, and he's also shaped a bit like an older James Tony. So yeah, yeah I think I think the linear champion is Boris Johnson. And Cummins would win the, the, the decider between him and Hancock. But then I think Johnson would just fucking have too much deflection, too much James Toniness. ness in the final eliminator
0: I think he's a master at weathering the storm and deflecting absolute
2: master at it well I I think there are possibilities there though I think there are possibilities let's let's get the
1: fight made
2: yeah I I think I think you know I think there would be a demand for it I think there would be interest in it I think the interest in it would be be absolutely high and you know well Sky are looking for fights well I mean Dominic Cummings is out of a job at the minute as far as I know I mean he'll be you know a gig he'll be after a gig Hancock you know who knows how much longer he's going to keep hold of that one he might be he, he might be in need of it, so you know circumstances could dictate that that that, that comes together. They're about so the same I heard,
1: size. Uh, I heard Dominic Cummings say that he was thinking of becoming a boxing commentator because he said it must be easy the kind of people that are doing it. So I don't know, I don't know, I don't know how much truth in that. But Sky are looking for fights, so Mick Cummings and Hancock, man, imagine that pay per view.
2: Yeah, exactly. That was my original point. Exactly. I think it'd do. It'd do great business. It'd do great business. Should they be licensed pros, or should it? Or should they be wearing head guards with big gloves? You know, then we're getting. Listen, I'm sure Triller would do it on pay per view. Mate, <laughs> with them pair, should they be wearing headguards?
1: guards? I say they should do with fucking knuckle dusters on. Let them smash fuck yeah. out of each other with a pair of bricks. That nah, nah, boxer put that wax and the glass on the bandages.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: The, <laughs> the the fucking
1: last man standing. There's no jumpo. <laughs> In fact, make sure you have Steve Gray as the ref. So if one of them's getting fucked, he can throw the towel out the ring and everything. Make sure <laughs> Steve Gray is the ref as well.
2: Okay, well, we've got we've got plans in place then. You know, that's taken shape nicely in, in, in the last four or five minutes. We've got to go. We've got to go. Um, John, this has been great. Uh, it's been too long. You are still our franchise champion, our <laughs> linear champion, um, our all-round champion. This is appearance number five. You are undefeated uh, and it's been great fun to have you back. Uh, hopefully next time we do this, it'll be an Eastside in a freezing cold Eastside gym upstairs. (laughs) That was the last time when we came to see you or, or somewhere else, but it'll actually be in person. That'd be be great. In person would be good. It certainly would. It certainly would. So thanks for listening, everybody. Um, If you could get onto iTunes, do the usual thing, give us a rate, give us a a review. It it does help other people uh, find us. Thanks for supporting this over the last, over the last you know, two years we've been doing it, but the last few months in particular, um, this year has not been an easy one for, for anybody. We've, we've got a few more of these to come before we take that summer break. Um, so stay well, everybody. We'll catch you again soon.
0: the right, babe, not that back in town. I said Jenny Diver, Whoa, Look out to Miss Lottie Linger and old Lucy Brown. Yes, that line
1: falls on the right, babe. Not that Maggie's Back in.